WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Locate us on the web at WCBN.org. 15 seconds remain. Hunwick has it. Forward to Tambellini. Tambellini, he'll shoot. Save there, and the rebound comes to Hunwick. Six seconds remain. Tambellini shoots and scores. It comes around to Jeff Tambellini at the near side circle with 5.3 seconds remaining. Tambellini gives the Wolverines a 6-5 lead. This is Blair. I'm here with Tracy Chapman, Ben Harper, Tom Waits, and Patty Griffin. You guys don't want to speak? Okay. They've elected me to let you know that you're listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Where the light beams, where the mind dreams, and life seems to go on forever. Where the bones break, where the stones shake. Well, uh, good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show here on WCBN. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And we're doing a little fundraiser edition this evening. So do call us up at 734-763-3500 with those pledges of support for our station. Public affairs, of course, is somewhat of a an oddball <laughs> show down here on a radio college station, community station that's committed to probably the most diverse music that you can find anywhere in the United States of America, if not the world. Yeah, and there's really only one other radio station that really comes, that, you know, that could be compared, uh, honestly, to WCBN. That's WFMU, of course, out east, big sister station, uh, Ken Friedman sort of guiding light mm -hmm. for both. And uh, there's a long history here uh, at WCBN of fabulous student broadcasting uh, with community support, because that's what it's all about here on community radio, is uh, the community which is served by this broadcast. And, of course, uh, here on Gray Matters, we do a little bit of economics, politics, sort of cultural criticism news discussion, that sort of thing, and uh, I think this <laughs> events have turned out. Some of our observations over the last year and a half have been more um, prescient than people may realize. Of course, the dog and pony show continues in Washington. Uh, Trump is running out of dogs and ponies. The gong show continues in Washington. He's the show. The gongs are Kellyanne Conway. Sean Spicer, I don't know if we're going to see much of him. The me. clock is ticking on both of those uh, individuals, uh, in my opinion, either for reasons of health and quote-unquote mental well-being. I think Kellyanne is far gone from mental well-being, but uh, they may actually be asked to step to the side at one point because the uh, Melissa McCarthy spoof of Sean Spicer has yeah. proven to really hit a sore spot, which... Of course, uh, as anybody in the Irish tradition such as myself knows, uh, if somebody's teasing you, if you react, they're going to keep teasing you. Well, and he got off keep to such an absurd start as press secretary that he actually deserved the uh, ribbing that he got. So if you like dipping Dots, 
Call 763-3500 and pledge your support to WCBN and for uh, the right of Dippin' Dots to call themselves whatever they wish to call themselves. And of course, some of the absurdity continues. Uh, here's, a, here's a great example. Um, there's, there's a column in this. Saturday's New York Times, The Ties That Blind, about Donald Trump's sartorial incompetence, which is interesting because it sort of reflects his other incompetence. Turns out that uh, Donald Trump, leader of the free world, according to Richard Thompson Ford, doesn't know how to tie a tie, and that uh, scotch tape has actually been... No way. They do make clip-ons. I don't know if Ivanka has a clip-on tie in her line, but... uh... Well, apparently he's got the uh, the cravat problem uh, misplaced on on how you do the tie, um, and it, basically the front end of the tie is down too low and the back end is too short, yeah. and it kind of <laughs> waggles around. I actually enjoy wearing a necktie, but I do the sort of informal loose tie. But uh, yeah, his tie is not really. Well, it's funny because uh, the critique is the president makes uh, his uh, front end much too long. It hangs far below his waistline, while the narrower end sits stubby and forlorn, only inches below his collar. As a consequence, the too short narrower uh, end cannot reach the loop on the overlong wider end, and the two uh, threaten to go off in separate directions, like cabinet members with competing agendas. To compensate, the president resorts to a kludge favored by eight-year-olds forced to dress up for a wedding, scotch tape. Close-ups from two occasions, one taken during the inauguration, exclamation point, clearly show a strip of cellophane tape holding the errant tie end in place. I wonder well, if that cellophane was made in the United States. Maybe his tie is being sabotaged by an insider in the manner in which the CIA tried numerous times to kill Fidel Castro with poison cigars and LSD and his beverage or whatever they were up to. Uh, because today's uh, New York Times is uh, saying that uh, uh, the, the stories about the National Security Council on today's front page here. Uh, some staff members have turned to encrypted communications to talk with their colleagues uh, after hearing that Mr. Trump's top advisors are considering an insider threat program that could result in monitoring cell phones and emails for leaks. So perhaps the necktie uh, is just a sign of a darker, deeper scandal. Uh, and by the way, when they say uh, colleagues advising Trump to start bugging the communications of his own hand-chosen assistants, we're, we're talking President Bannon here. Yeah. Mr. Monster the behind commies the, are here. Behind the scenes, and of course that's part of the problem uh, with the whole Trump uh, game plan so far. I mean, it's basically been characterized by total incompetence, chaos, incoherence, and all sorts of other problems. Incredible leaks are going on. I mean, it's so rampant. There are, of course, rumors that National Security Advisor Flynn is going to be asked to uh, step down soon for a various. Uh, he may be the first fall guy, as they say. Uh, we'll 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 find out about that. But uh, I wonder the extent to which Pence, whose word, of course, uh, was given that oh Flynn assured me that blah blah blah. You know I. 
Not to blame Pence for that. Yeah. But, uh, well, they're starting to. That's a bit of a awkward moment for him. Have the problems that the Nixon White House did during Watergate, <laughs> in which people are protecting themselves. In some cases, people falling on their swords to protect the the king, as they say. And of course, when you have a mob uh, being led by villains, to sort of paraphrase Euripides, uh, you have some problems. Uh, this past week, I was rereading some Joe McCarthy uh, historical um, stuff, and the resemblances between Donald Trump and Joe McCarthy are remarkable, to say the least. McCarthy, of course, attacked the media, insulted everybody, and I was... Accused the army of being communist infiltrated. Yeah, and then, of course, got involved in actually forging documents to try and protect uh, Roy Cohn and... David Shine and a bunch of other loose cannons. That and, of were... course, Roy Cohn is the direct link between Joe McCarthy and Donald J. Trump. Indeed. His intellectual mentor. Cohn was a lawyer for Trump in the go-go 80s when Trump was making real estate deals. Of course, we've also been uh, treated to some new information about the Donald. It turns out, and, of course, if you've been wondering why he has this sort of strange orange complexion, with this bizarre hairdo that uh, looks like a fallen uh, version of a Marie Antoinette <laughs> beehive. Thank uh, Marge Simpson. <laughs> with the comb out and comb back over. It turns out that Donald Trump is taking a hair loss drug. He has to take a pill a day. Is uh, rage one of the side effects? <laughs> We'll go into more details about the hair loss uh, problem, but you can imagine that Donald Trump, without this drug, that apparently he's probably been taking for quite some time, uh, he would look a little like Louis Gohmert or Mr. Burns. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, the drug, a one-day uh, <clears throat> pill popular for treatment for so-called male pattern hair loss, in which the hairline recedes and the hair thins on the temples and crown, sometimes to the point of leaving just a horseshoe-shaped fringe around the sides and back of the head. Uh, so we can attack Trump and male pattern baldness in upcoming shows, but you can look this up. He's apparently taking a drug called uh, Fina Steride, which uh, gives you an idea of what kind of drug it is. It, of course, uh, <clears throat> has side effects. And uh, think of Louis Gohmert and Mr. Burns. Excellent. And to remind you that uh, this is Fundraiser Week here at WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. We are broadcasting from the Student Activities Building at the University of Michigan. And we have operators standing by at 763-3500 for your pledge of support for not just community-produced uh, uh, public affairs shows, but also a uh, fine student sports program. You just heard their broadcast before ours. And, of course, many, many fine, fine musical programs that uh, provide you uh, glimmers of sanity throughout the week in these are troubled times. 763-3500. And, of course, male pattern baldness used to be a... Uh... <laughs> Uh, a thing that many men, you know, Rogaine, the, the, there, there is a product that apparently Trump does take connected to Rogaine, but we won't go into all the details. But it's it's been very apparent in, I don't know, the last several decades that many men uh, who start going bald just 
accept it and go with the shaved head look. It's a normal, natural phenomenon. There's no you know, shame. Telly Savalas. Sean Connery. You got it. Uh, the Dome, you know, whatever. Uh, and people get it buffed up and... You know, they sort of accept reality because taking drugs... Oh, it's quite fashionable to be bald in Precisely. Yeah. And if you are taking drugs uh, of, of, of this kind that's basically to deal with a hormone uh, problem, and of course Trump's got all sorts of other problems, the well, wall seems to have erectile dysfunction at the moment. <laughs> it's yet to be built. Uh, oh, and by the way, uh, there was an article last week. I don't have the clipping in front of me, but uh, Trump had claimed that the wall would cost $12 billion and Mexico would pay. Uh, his own allies in Congress have estimated that it's actually more like $15 billion, but in fact, uh, actual serious outside objective uh, analyses of the project suggest that it probably couldn't be done for any less than $21 billion. And, of course, cost overruns are such a, a uh, historical, um, regular thing in the American government. Let's recall that Lawrence Lindsay, uh, chairman of the Economic Advisors under George W. Bush, was fired for testifying to Congress that the Iraq War would cost around $100 billion. Of course, it turned out to cost more like $2 trillion, and we're still paying mm -hmm. uh, for that war in Iraq. Um, Seven six three thirty five hundred seven three four seven six three thirty five hundred. Always forget to give the area code. <laughs> yeah, of course you can pledge online as well, but it's much nicer to call up and talk with one of our uh, friendly volunteers. There's a number of DJs over there at the moment who will be happy to take your phone call. Of course, the emolument clauses continue to uh, beleaguer Donald Trump. Uh, how bizarre to hear the uh, Trumpster last week uh, critiquing retail outlets that have dropped Ivanka's fashion line with tweets defending the poor lass. That's okay. Kellyanne gave a free ad. That's right. Rebuked for doing such. Uh, interesting article in the most recent New York Review of Books by David Cole. David Cole, by the way, is a constitutional scholar, currently head of the ACLU, who was actually in town recently, and I'm very regretful that I didn't manage to see that earlier and uh, check him out. He's been writing about uh, drone policy, uh, torture policy, and all sorts of constitutional issues for quite some time in the New York Review of Books. Uh, this is about Trump is violating the Constitution. Trump, of course, is being sued by a couple of entities regarding the emoluments clause. And, of course, uh, the details uh, that, that I wanted to focus on in David Cole's article in the most recent uh, New York Review of Books, the February 23rd edition, is just this strange item about Trump and his financial tentacles. The single largest tenant in Trump Tower is the Industrial and Commercial Bank of China, a wholly owned state subsidiary. Trump's major business partner in the Philippines was named by President Rodrigo Duterte as the special envoy to the United States. Trump has an ongoing business uh, projects around the world, including in Argentina and the nation of Georgia. He receives millions of dollars in licensing revenue from the Trump Hotel in Panama 
and Trump has long and extensive business dealings and where government officials were recently overheard by our own intelligence agency celebrating Trump's election after a campaign in which Russia hacked and leaked confidential emails from the DNC, among other Democratic organizations, in order to boost Trump's chances. Russia, he has many ties there. And, of course, there is speculation about Michael Flynn's financial uh, dealings with Russia, including his consultations, uh, apparently, as a private citizen, assuring them that sanctions would, uh, that Obama had placed on them at the end of last year would be lifted soon, and they were. Wow. I mean, this, uh, this story with Trump just gets curiouser and curiouser and curiouser, to quote Lewis Carroll. <laughs> uh, very, very troubling. 763-3500 is the number for your call and your pledge of support here for WCBN's annual fundraiser. Uh, you know, in preparing for today's show, I went through uh, my files at home, pulling out my evergreen file, ah. which uh, some of these stranger uh, items and articles that have fallen our way over the years uh, are sometimes brought back for a, a whimsical remember this crazy one. But, you know, there's you don't even need the evergreen folder with the Trump administration because every week. Every day, sometimes a couple of times a day, there's yeah. a new head scratcher. Like, well, wow, it, this is a thing. This is how we roll here in con man land. I think that's, of course, uh, what uh, Trump is primarily all about. Uh, it's bizarre, by the way, that he um, today, you know, he had a meeting with the uh, Canadian Prime Minister, Mr. Trudeau. Uh, is he going to meet Justin Bieber at the White House? I I hope so. He needs to get his poll ratings up with some some constituency. But of course, Canada is our main ally, uh, main our number one training partner. Uh, Trump endlessly goes on about NAFTA. Uh, claims he's going to renegotiate it. Well, I actually looked up quite many of the details about NAFTA. There's nothing to renegotiate, Mr. Trump. All of the clauses in NAFTA, other than the trucking clause, have all become moot. In other words, the the tariffs and the uh, arrangements uh, to loosen up trade are all over and done with. Most of them expired either 15 years ago or seven or eight years ago. Trump keeps talking endlessly about uh, renegotiating NAFTA. And I keep wondering why the media doesn't call him out on this. Uh, of course, he's announced that he's uh, um, going to, um, w with respect to uh, oil production, he's going to uh, re-institute uh, the Keystone Pipeline from Canada. Well, Mr. Trump, if oil prices stay at $30 a barrel, $40 a barrel, there's simply no chance for the Alberta tar sands to be used for such a thing. And then, of course, he made this promise uh, back on the campaign trail. I will get rid of gun-free zones in schools my first day. It gets signed, okay? My first day. We're going to talk tough. Remember that line from a couple of weeks ago when he was talking about his call with the prime minister? 
of Australia. Right. It's going to be tough. It's going to be new, new game. Mr. No more Mr. Nice Guy. And I'm like, okay, dude. <laughs> Get your space helmet. Put it back on. Well, this goes back, quite Take frankly, chill pill. to the hair loss medication. <laughs> yeah. And, you know. Which is male insecurity. Right. No slight on anyone who chooses to, you know, try that medication. I'm speaking as a bald gentleman here, so that's why I say that. Uh, but it, it, if you're that insecure and you have that much power and you project your power in this very obviously insecure bullying way no one takes you seriously no they read it as an act they see it for what it is and they figure it okay this guy's a little crazy a little insecure a little nervous here's how we work this to our advantage it's the madman nixon theory gone awry gone awry. there's no <laughs> tactical advantage to the posturing yeah it's uh it's threadbare and, of course, you know, with the incompetence of Trump has been well documented. He tried to get a quick little victory in Yemen a couple of weeks ago. Didn't turn out very well. Hey, turns out it's a tough job. And guess what? Ivanka had to go down to Dover, Delaware, to greet the body. Uh, Melania was uh, busy in New York City tending to the young baron. And, of course, her lawsuit. Yes, she's, she's, lost uh, income opportunities from lost her income. new gig. Which, what is she doing for her new gig? And it's fine, by the way, if she doesn't do anything at all for her new gig. Right. Because there have been first ladies who chose, uh, and this is many, many years ago, but who chose to just skip the whole thing altogether. Yeah, and of course, when Trump isn't, uh, you know, I mean, look at the look at the weekend raids that we had here in the immigration, the ICE department. Once again, it's Trump saying, I'm keeping a campaign promise, but it's, no, it's, there, there's, a, there's some hostility there. There's this statement, I'm going after those quote-unquote sanctuary cities. Well, look, dude, there aren't any sanctuary cities. There are cities that have stated for the record that uh, complying with immigration laws are not a high priority in many locales. Did Trump go after farms along the Texas-Mexican border where the wall has yet to be built. It hasn't even been started. Oh, and by the way, Obamacare. Trump promised to, quote, repeal and replace it. First day in office. They have not only not repealed or replaced it, they haven't even renamed it. <laughs> it's incredible. It's one con after another. It's keeping the gong show going. It's changing the subject, and these are the things you got to watch out for with Donald Trump. He doesn't answer questions, or as Joe McCarthy famously said, I don't answer accusations, I make them. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, which is a very, very telling phrase. Which is a very accurate description mm. of, of, of Donald Trump. 766. 3500 734-763-3500. Like to thank a uh, pledge here from Lawrence here uh, in the uh, greater community of Ann Arbor. Of course, that quote that I was uh, giving was the was from Nicholas Kristof's uh, Sunday column about guns and gun violence here in the United States. 
in which he points out between 1975 and 2015, terrorists born in the Seven Nations and Trump's travel ban killed zero people in America. In that same period, guns claimed 1.34 million lives in America. Trump's making us safe. No, it's snake oil. It's snake oil. I think at one point in that article, Christoph mentions that if you want to go about this statistically, husbands are a greater terror threat. Because in domestic abuse cases, uh, especially when there's a firearm involved, that's the way it plays out. Husbands are deadlier than terrorists. That's the title of of the column. He points out that last year, Americans were less likely to be killed by Muslim terrorists... And for Muslims, according to Charles Kurtzman of the University of North Carolina, the former risk is approximately 1 in 17 million, the latter 1 in 1 million. So uh, people are more likely to be killed for being Muslim than actually having Muslim terrorists kill people in these terrorist acts. And we hear this endless, I'm keeping us safe. We even heard it today in the press conference with uh, Prime Minister uh, Trudeau. And you also keep hearing this meaningless uh, necessity to you must call it radical Islamic extremism. Right. Or terrorism. Radical. you got to say radical Islamic. Any religion. The phrase of Michael Flynn, by the way. Yeah. Any religion can be taken to radical extremists. Ends. Sure. You know, it, abortion clinic bombings here are radical extremist terrorist acts. Well, the killer in, in, in Charleston, South Carolina, has the chutzpah to actually claim a new, a new filing today that he's doing this as based on his freedom of religion. He's using this yeah. crazy Hobby Lobby argument. Which in which people are now invoking religion to justify discrimination. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible. Seven three four seven six three thirty five hundred. Call in, pledge to WCBN. Yeah, another uh, startling and shocking uh, article from uh, the weekend is uh, sort of an expose on uh, one of Stephen K. Bannon's favorite philosophers, Julius Evola. Oh yeah, who uh, has an ideal based on quote hierarchy, caste, monarchy, race, myth, religion, and ritual. Uh, this was a popular writer with Mussolini, but Evola uh, later eschewed the Italian fascists as, according to Jason Horowitz, the author of this article, too lame, preferring instead uh, the Nazi SS officers, seeing in them something closer to a mythic ideal. Bannon, of course, has been quoted extensively from a speech he gave at the Vatican in 2014 for a lot of his anti-Islam statements. Catholics who align themselves with a fascist ideology are not Catholics. That's some other weird cult, a subcult. Sure. Uh, The Catholic Church is founded and premised on the teachings of Jesus H. Christ. And I would urge any philosopher uh, studies out there, if you're considering reading Evola, try Matthew chapter 5. Lines 1 through 12, which it's called the Beatitudes. Ironically, we're in the inauguration, and which Trump didn't listen to, obviously. The Beatitudes are the most pure expression of what it is to be, 
quote-unquote Christian. Yeah, and it's interesting. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been reading Wendell Berry, uh, who is an absolutely fabulous antidote to Donald J. Trump. I'll read this brief paragraph. Uh, This was an address that he actually gave uh, about Christianity and the survival of creation. I do not believe, this is Wendell Berry, that organized Christianity now has any idea. I think that its idea of a Christian economy is no more or less than the industrial economy, which is an economy firmly founded on the seven deadly sins and breaking all of the Ten Commandments. Mm. Obviously, if Christianity is going to survive as more than a respecter and comforter of profitable inequities, then Christians, regardless of their organizations, are going to have to interest themselves in economy, which is to say nature and in work. They are going to have to give workable answers to those who say we cannot live without this economy that is destroying us and our world, who see the murder of creation as the only way of life. And I mentioned this uh, in connection with the fact that that's Trump— That's the real deal right there. That's the real deal. And, of course, Trump has one of these snake oil salesmen from uh, Florida— who acts as uh, his spiritual guide, guider, <laughs> guidance counselor. Spiritual. It's the gospel of prosperity. This is one of these phony religions that advocates that uh, Christianity um, and prosperity are very close to one another, when in fact a rich man has as much chance of getting into heaven as a man through the camel through the eye of a needle. The camel through the eye of a needle. One of uh, Christ's better observations, metaphors. It's a good one-liner for uh, the uh, pompous elite. And, of course, the uh, camel brigade of the Sudan (laughs) of Lud Kitchener. Well, new revelations, too, about the very, very tight... Uh, economic and almost family-like bond between uh, Rupert Murdoch and Trump. Oh, yeah, yeah. With Ivanka standing as a— uh, More problems galore yeah. there. So, okay, um, how does that play out with— uh, There's reporters now writing for the Wall Street Journal, who, uh, which, of course, is Murdoch-owned, who are now uh, meeting secretly amongst themselves to figure out uh, how can we actually write some somewhat critical articles and get them printed. Right. Well, their editorial page has uh, always been a little <laughs> far right. Uh, the actual reportage about the it's earning... typically been good. I mean, a business paper yeah. has to be as close to accurate as possible because people make decisions with their money based on that reporting. And those aspects of the Wall Street Journal tend to be fairly uh, adequate, but it's this entire notion. You know, even today, Trump made this astonishing claim um, about uh, Intel. He was talking about the uh, the fact that uh, Intel had announced that they were um, going to finish. That was the, that was the, actually their their phrase: finish a plant that uh, that makes computer chips in Arizona. And Trump, of course, tried to take credit for this. 
uh, Intel is investing seven billion dollars to finish up a plant that they'd already that's already in Arizona somewhere. And it was odd that Trump uh, would take credit for that today at today's news conference. But it's typical of the man. He likes to take credit for 